Well, today is a day to recall the greatest event that has ever taken place in human history. Without this event, none of the others matter, or make sense for that matter. I'm speaking, of course, of the resurrection of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Today, the day we know as Easter, or Resurrection Sunday, a very, very special day. I would say the most important day for Christians, and really for all the world. If you know Jesus and you're familiar with his life and ministry, you know that his journey was was one of amazement. His ministry was only about three and a half years. He spent the first 30 years of his life preparing for that ministry, never doing a, a miracle uh, that's noted in the Bible or, or even preaching until... He was baptized in the Jordan by his cousin John and, and also simultaneously with the Holy Spirit and power. The Bible says that God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost and with power and he went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed of the devil. Amen. But Jesus was a wonderful, wonderful man, a great example, completely man and completely God. As the time approached, the familiar scripture, Luke 9.51, as the time approached for Jesus to be taken up, he really resolved, he set out to go to Jerusalem to fulfill his destiny and nothing was going to stand in his way. But all along the way, he ministered healing and love and teaching about the kingdom of God. Sometimes he was rejected by entire cities and towns one time he affectionately named James and his brother John the sons of thunder because they wanted to call down fire and destroy one of those towns like Elijah had done. And Jesus said, no, things have changed now. You don't know what manner of spirit you are. But he opened blind eyes. He healed the lame, set captives free. There was one man, the man of the Gadarenes, that was filled with a legion of demons. Jesus set him free. There were some who used him. They just wanted what he could give them according to their own agendas, whether it was political or financial or whatever else may have been in their hearts and minds regarding the God and Messiah of their imagination. Jesus traveled also to a town called Bethany, a place that I love to read about, a place where he was truly loved and accepted. He had real friends there. And then our Lord made a triumphant yet humble entrance into Jerusalem as we spoke about last week on the back of a donkey around the same time as, as all the other Passover lambs which we know now that he was the real Passover lamb but those Passover lambs would have entered Jerusalem during that time by the thousands to be sacrificed on the altar and Jesus would have walked through their blood as he walked out of the Last Supper with his disciples and walked through Jerusalem and down through the Kidron Valley across the brook and up to the Mount of Olives where he would allow them to arrest him. He endured that entire night mock trials and abuse, mistreatment by all who would accuse him and mock him and beat him and the next day crucify him. 
And at the cross, Jesus exhibited his greatness through meekness, most powerful being ever to live. Yet he had that power under control because he had purpose. And he asked God to forgive his tormentors while he hung there suspended between heaven and earth. One of the thieves on the cross next to him received salvation by putting his trust in Jesus. None of Jesus' natural or half-brothers were there, were present at the cross. But he caringly provided for his mother Mary by yoking her to the disciple who truly had a revelation of a revelation of Jesus' love for him. He understood. And that love, that understanding, that revelation, knowledge of the love of God toward John empowered him to be there at that fateful moment in time with his Lord and his God spiritually employed at the foot of the cross while all the others had fled. Then at this point on, we know that on Good Friday, our God and Father of all creation, who loved Jesus, His only begotten Son, more than we could ever imagine, turned His back and forsook His only Son, who had become sin for us, Though he was sinless, he took upon the sin of the world, past, present, and future, and the Father turned his back on him so that he would never, ever have to turn his back on us again. Those of us who accept Jesus as our sacrifice, our Lord, our Master, and King, and Brother, and Friend, and Kinsman, Redeemer. Then Jesus declared his work here done having set aside the law and all of its accusations against all who would ever believe on him. And finally he gave up the ghost and bowed his head, fulfilling his earthly destiny of being born to die for you and me. And now as we go to the tomb where Jesus was buried, they had rolled a gigantic stone in front of the entrance to the tomb. One entrance, one exit. I want to read with you from Matthew chapter 27, beginning at the 62nd verse. The next day, that is, after the day of preparation, the chief priests and the Pharisees gathered before Pilate and said, Sir, we remember how that imposter said while he was still alive, after three days I will rise. Therefore, order the tomb to be made secure until the third day lest his disciples go and steal him away and tell the people he has risen from the dead. And the last fraud will be worse than the first. Pilate said to them, You have a guard of soldiers. Go, make it as secure as you can. So they went and made the tomb secure by sealing the stone and setting a guard. Now this would have been a several guards. And they would have put a, an official seal on there. And they would have stood guard over the tomb and over the seal. And to make sure it wasn't broken. And that no one came or went or bothered with the tomb. And this was a wonderful thing for history. Because it's documented. 
But the religious leaders of the day took Jesus' resurrection claims more serious than the disciples did. (laughs) The disciples didn't remember, for some reason, Jesus' teaching about his resurrection. Although, I see in the Word that he did teach them at least nine different times. But the religious leaders remembered. And because of his claims, they were almost as afraid of Jesus after his death as they were when he was alive. They took every precaution that his body would stay in that tomb. There was one entrance, one exit, and they had it sealed and guards posted. This is a serious thing in the Roman military. Remember in Acts chapter 16 when Paul and Silas were in prison and at midnight they were singing and praising the Lord and the prisoners were listening. Then an earthquake came. We, we always affectionately say the Lord was tapping his foot. He was so pleased with what they were doing. But an earthquake came and all the prison doors were opened and everyone's chains were undone. Then the centurion who was in charge of the prison, thinking everyone had escaped, he drew his sword to kill himself because he would have been killed for letting them escape on his watch. So this is how serious a matter this was. But things didn't go as they planned at the tomb of Jesus. Let's look in the Gospel of John, chapter 20. John, chapter 20, beginning in the first verse. I'll just read from here. Now, on the first day of the week, that would be Sunday, is because in the Jewish cultures, uh, Saturday is the Sabbath, and the last day of the week, and so Sunday would be the first day of the week. Now, on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene came to the tomb early. Mary Magdalene was a friend of Jesus and a follower. He had, when he met her, she had been filled with seven demons, and he freed her. And she became a loyal follower, along with many other women and men. So Mary Magdalene, the first day of the week, came to the tomb early, while it was still dark, and saw that the stone had been taken away from the tomb. So she ran and went to Simon Peter and the other disciple, the one whom Jesus loved, that's John, and said to them, They have taken the Lord out of the tomb, and we do not know where they have laid him. So Peter went out with the other disciple, and they were going toward the tomb. Both of them were running together, but the other disciple outran Peter and reached the tomb first. John had to brag that he was faster than Peter. (laughs) And stooping to look in, he saw the linen cloth lying there, but he did not go in. Then Simon Peter came, following him, and went into the tomb. He saw the linen cloth lying there, and the face cloth face cloth which had been on Jesus' head, not lying with the linen cloth, but folded up in a place by itself. Then the other disciple, who had reached the tomb first, also went in, and he saw and believed. For as yet they did not understand the scripture, that he must rise from the dead. Then the disciples went back to their homes. Lots of prophecies and scripture from Old Testament being fulfilled during this time. The Bible says that Jesus, after he rose from the dead, he made a number of appearances after his death. They were to a number of different people, um, and it's well documented over a 40-day period. 
the Bible specifically says that on Easter Sunday, Jesus appeared to Mary Magdalene. And then the women that came to Jesus' tomb were Mary, the mother of James, uh, Salome, and Joanna. And also to Peter, and then to two disciples on the road to Emmaus, where he had a beautiful Bible study and revealed himself to them through Scripture. And then he, he let them see who he was before he disappeared. He also appeared to the remainder of the twelve disciples with, without Thomas there. And then later on, he appeared to them again with Thomas present. Remember, doubting Thomas had to see for himself. There were also an appearance to seven disciples on the Sea of Galilee. One of my favorite occasions where I call breakfast on the beach with Jesus. And then on another occasion, he appeared, he appeared to over 500 people at the same time. And there's also an appearance to James, and who is his half-brother, And then finally, Jesus appeared to Saul of Tarsus, the man who became the Apostle Paul and wrote a great portion of the New Testament. These appearances convinced his disciples beyond any doubt that he had risen from the dead. These were men who were somewhat cowardly. I don't really like that word, but they did run when persecution came, when Jesus was arrested, and that fulfilled another prophecy of Scripture, that they would all scatter, and they did, except for John, of course, who was there at the cross with his mother Mary, with Jesus' mother Mary. But these disciples were not prepared for the persecution that would come when Jesus was alive, but after they witnessed him and and spent time with him after his resurrection and then of course on the day of Pentecost the first day of Pentecost after Jesus was risen on that 50th day in the upper room when the Holy Ghost came and empowered them they became very bold and every one of those remaining 11 disciples from the original 12 were martyred for their faith except for John who died of natural death. But they did try to kill him, and history says they put him in uh, a boiling substance, and he swam around in it like it was a refreshing bath. The anointing was so strong. But we also hear that Peter was crucified, who had denied the Lord three times on the night of his betrayal, um, had, had really changed, and he was crucified upside down alongside his wife, Um, not wanting to be crucified in the same manner. He saw himself as unworthy to be crucified in the same manner as his Lord Jesus. So what a change took place in these men's hearts and minds. I want to tell you that Jesus is alive and he is in love with his people. And I want to read something else to you out of 1 Corinthians chapter 15, um, verses 3 and 4. You know, Paul says that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures, that he was buried, that he was raised on the third day according to the scriptures. Now, this is the heart of the gospel. The death and resurrection of Christ are at the very, very essence and heart of the gospel. The full weight of our faith must be on both the death and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. 
the word goes on to say, if Christ has not been raised, raised from the dead, that is, our preaching is useless, and so is our faith. In other words, none of it matters. The death and resurrection of Jesus is so central to salvation that if Christ has not been raised, our faith is futile, and we're still in our sins. Then also, the dead in Christ are lost. In other words, those who died waiting for him to come in faith, they would not have had any hope either. If only for this life we have hope in Christ, we are of all people most to be pitied, is what Paul says in 1 Corinthians 15, um, verses 17 through 19. The resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead is the essence of Christianity and of all religion because it's the only one of all those religions in the world that has faith in a Savior who is not still in his grave. Whether it be Muhammad or Buddha or any of the others that people have put their trust and confidence in, I guarantee you they're all still in their graves. Jesus Christ is the only way to the Father. And he says so himself. Some religions say that Jesus was a good man and maybe a prophet, but then they, they fall short of saying that he died on the cross or that he was the Son of God. It can't be both. Jesus was either God and is, or he was a big deceiver, which he was not. Jesus Christ is alive, and he is seated at the right hand of the Father in heaven. And he is interceding for you today. There's only two choices regarding Jesus, but the choice must be made. Believe and receive, or doubt and do without. But I warn you, without Christ, there's no connection to God the Father, only darkness. Jesus wants us to enjoy eternal life. And he describes that in John 17, 3. And he says, this is eternal life, that they know you, the one true God. He's praying to the Father at the time. And your son, Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. So eternal life is just not living forever. We're all going to live forever. Just the location is in question. Eternal life is a, a revelation, knowledge, and knowing God, an intimacy with God. And it starts now at the moment of salvation in this life. And then we'll have that for all eternity, those of us who decide for him and, and live with him and for him. As children are hunting for Easter eggs this year, I want to share with you the Easter egg is, is, is a very biblical thing. It's it, they, They're called paschal eggs normally, and it's it's been going on for a long time that people would decorate these eggs. And really, they symbolize the empty tomb of Jesus. Though an egg appears to be like the stone of a tomb, a bird hatches from it with life. And similarly, the Easter egg for Christians is a reminder that Jesus rose from the grave and that those who believe will also experience eternal life. So this year, don't forget that while you're out with the children hunting for Easter eggs, that we remind them and that we also remind ourselves to hunt for the risen King, Jesus, our Lord and Savior, and to be thankful. To many, I know that Easter is just about the Easter Bunny, 
about special food or clothing or candy, uh, maybe a family event. And there's nothing wrong with these things. But for others, it's about maybe going to church, but just as kind of something they're obliged to do, church attendance on this holiday, like maybe a couple of other holidays in the year, and they, they know they're supposed to do that, to go and get their gold star, check it off their list and appease their conscience. Or their idea of what Christianity is really about, and, and maybe that's as far as they've taken it so far, which is fine, just dipping their toe in the in the water, but haven't taken the real plunge yet. But then they are back to their normal life, leaving Jesus at the church where they went to visit him. But the Lord wants so much more. You know, I'm called to help people with this problem, to help people not by my own strength, but by his anointing, his power and wisdom to to help people come to know him better, to live with him and for him, to know his word and to live a life of peace and power beyond the cross. A life focused not on an empty tomb, but a life focused on a living and active Lord Jesus Christ who is seated at the right hand of the Father in heaven and they're seating for us today who loves you and wants to be invited into every part of your life to give you the right answers and to do all the heavy lifting as you cast your cares and burdens upon Him for He cares for you. He'll never leave you. He'll never forsake you. He is the friend who is closer than a brother. Oh, I pray that God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation that you may know Him better. That the eyes of your heart be enlightened so you may know the hope to which He has called you. That you may know the riches of His glorious inheritance in the saints and His incomparably great power for us who believe. Listen. That power is like the working of his mighty strength, which he exerted in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly realms. Brothers and sisters, God wants you to know that same power that raised Christ from the dead. You can. It is available to you right now because of what Christ has done for you. Colossians chapter 2 verses 12 through 15 says, You were also raised with Jesus through faith in the powerful working of God who raised him from the dead. And you who were dead in your trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh, God made alive together with him, having forgiven us all our trespasses by canceling the record of debt that stood against us with its legal demands. This he set aside, nailing it to the cross. He disarmed the rulers and authorities and put them to open shame by triumphing triumphing over them in him. Lord, we thank you so much for your precious word. I just want to reach out to anyone who might be hearing this message now or in the future. And I want you to know that you can mark this special occasion this Resurrection Sunday, this Easter time to come into relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. Maybe you were raised in church. Maybe you thought you were a Christian. You know, most of my life I thought I was a Christian and I wasn't. I just went through some of the motions, very seldom, I'll tell you that. But I had never really responded to the Lord. I'd never had an encounter with Him where I yielded my life and asked him to come in and to live through me 
and put my life aside. That's what salvation is. It's about a true relationship where you die to yourself. The Lord Jesus comes in and saves you. He takes that old corrupted spirit of iniquity that we were all born with ever since the Adam, Adam's seed from the Garden of Eden. And he takes it out and he puts his spirit in and he renews your spirit, renewed, holy and incorruptible and sealed until the day of redemption. And then he'll begin to work on your soul, your mind, your will and emotions as you come into agreement with the word of God and his Holy Spirit will help you to do this. And then on that day of of salvation, when we actually enter into his presence, when he comes for us again, or we just go on by old age, we'll, we'll, we'll turn this old corruptible body over and we'll get a brand new one, an incorruptible one. And then we'll be totally redeemed, all three parts, spirit, soul, and body. And we will spend eternity with our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, our Father God in heaven. If you want this, and I want it for you, and Jesus wants it for you too, just repeat after me. Lord Jesus, I believe that you died for my sins. I believe that you hung on the cross, bearing the punishment for my sins, and that you gave up your life for me, that you went to the grave, and then after three days you rose from the grave, sinless and free and that you live today for me and that I'm entitled to enjoy the free gift of salvation that you have paid such a dear price for and I want to receive it today. I accept you and to receive you and I believe that you are the King of Kings and the Son of God and that you died for my sins and I receive this free gift of salvation I ask you to be my Lord and Savior and to do with me as you will. The rest, whatever's left of my life, use it as you would, Lord, and help me to fulfill the rest of my days as you have written for, for me in your book. And thank you for writing my name in the book of life. If this is your prayer, just say, Amen. We love you and we thank you and we know that God has great things in store for you. Happy Easter.